Hello, everyone. I'm Zara Morali, a global investigations lawyer at Freshfields in Dubai. I am joined today by Lori Baker, Vice President of Legal and Director of Data Protection in the DIFC. Also joining us today is Kevin Wong, a cybersecurity consultant in Dubai, and Shiraz Sethi, Regional Head of Employment Law at Dentons in Dubai. In this third podcast in our series about risk, compliance, and employees, we are discussing ransomware, phishing, and cyber investigations, the challenges, laws, and best practices. Since the pandemic, reports indicate that companies face cyber attacks more than 50% of the time. A cyber incident occurs where there's a breach of an organization's computer systems. Deliberate attacks can vary in their persistence, sophistication, and impact. Ransomware, specifically, involves an unauthorized third party using malicious software blocking a victim organization from access to its data, effectively to hold a company's data hostage until a ransom is paid. Phishing occurs where a cyber criminal attempts to lure individuals into providing sensitive data, such as personally identifiable information, banking and credit card details, and passwords. Hackers often use emails in phishing attacks, but other forms such as phone calls are increasingly common. Kevin, what are your initial thoughts? The costs of a ransomware attack could be catastrophic to a business. Imagine your systems locked up, not having email, your CRM's gone, you, you don't have access to your ERP, you can't access the data in your files and folders. You wouldn't be able to deliver on your contracts or receive payments. And the cost of recovery of those systems and rebuilding those systems. You have to think about the cost of investigation and any regulatory fines and the brand reputation you might have. Yes, Kevin, definitely all very important issues. And another important point about cyber incidents is that they're not necessarily the result of deliberate attacks and different types of cyber incidents merit different responses. Given the nature of risk, cybersecurity is not just an issue for the IT department in isolation, as Kevin has pointed out. From the data protection regulator's perspective, Lori, why should companies based in the DIFC be concerned about ransomware and phishing attacks? First and foremost, what impact would responding inappropriately or incorrectly to some sort of cyber attack have on the data subjects whose data they're processing. You know, we always have to put data subjects, the individuals whose data fuels our businesses, first and foremost, every single time. And that is absolutely key in this case as well, especially if it's leaked, it suffers a breach, it's part of accidental loss or what have you. The risk obviously increases and there is no room for that with respect to the accountability, transparency, and and lawfulness sort of obligations under our data protection law in the DIFC. Um, And speaking of the law, the non-compliance issues that companies would have to deal with from, again, a regulator's perspective are many. I mean, there are these accountability provisions requiring to have technical and organizational measures in place, requiring companies to think about 
how they notify a data subject or if they notify a data subject about a data breach. Anything that results from a ransomware or phishing attack could qualify if there is data loss that results in, again, a huge risk to the data subjects. So absolutely, you know, things like um, accountability, transparency, reporting to the regulator, reporting to the uh, data subject directly are all things that need to be considered in terms of pulling together, you know, how you deal with these as a company, how you respond to them, how you test for them, how you educate about them, all comprises elements that are directly related to the DIFC data protection law and many other data protection laws like it, and what regulators will be looking for to help mitigate the enforcement action that might be taken against a company that hasn't appropriately prepared for these kinds of ransomware and phishing attacks. So back to asking uh, Kevin and Zara about risks specifically, because it's something that I think is something really needs to be considered when companies are looking at how to comply with the law and not just complying with laws, but how to actually go ahead and be a responsible um, controller or processor of personal data. What risks or things should companies be managing in the first 24 to 48 hours after a ransom attack? Primarily, you should put into place your well-rehearsed instant response plan. If you haven't got one, you really should put one in place now and practice it. It will help you designate a team to respond to an incident. When you have an incident, now's the time not to apportion blame. It's for a cool, calm head to take charge. And sometimes a committee is not the best way forwards. You need someone with strong leadership, aware, who has awareness of the risk, and someone who can understand the issues and the impacts and communicate those with stakeholders. The team might consist of your general counsel, internal audit, a technical lead, strategic, internal and external communications uh, people, an external counsel, for instance, uh, a loss adjuster or your insurance carrier. You have to think about whether, um, who do you trust to do the technical investigation? Would you trust your own IT? Are they objectively able to mark their own homework and provide the truth to senior management? A senior management able to objectively accept the findings of IT and authorise the implementation of whatever remediations um, are required. When you do your investigation, you have to think about what's happened. Are the attackers still in your network? If they are, how do you stop them from moving across your systems? How do you kick them out? How do you stop them from coming back in? And how do we really know they have been kicked out? And how do you stop them from coming back in? If you have a ransom to pay, how are you going to get enough Bitcoin to pay it or another cryptocurrency? Do you trust the attacker to give you the decryption key and will it work? Do you still have offline backups that you can restore from? What can you still do on your network? What systems do you have access to still? And what work can we still do? Zara, what else can we do on the investigation side? Kevin, those are all really important points. And essentially what you're saying and what we're, we, we both agree on is that when a cyber incident occurs, companies will be concerned to ensure three things, containment, eradication, and recovery. In the first 24 to 48 hours, the concern will be to stop the cyber attack and monitor activity. A company will also want to assess its risks depending on what data sources may have been infiltrated 
and take swift action to contain and eradicate those risks. A company may also want to engage experts to identify the attacking entity by validating its IP address, researching the attackers through search engines or independently maintain databases and monitoring possible attacker communication channels. In some cases, also legal action may be required to restrain an attacker. And also an organization will need to consider in those first 48 hours whether any reporting or regulatory requirements arise and whether there's an obligation to notify a regulator or any third parties. Shiraz, what are the key risks for employees around ransomware and phishing attacks? Well, Zara, employees are on the front line, and so attacks usually occur through employee involvement. Uh, They are the ones that can spread viruses and attacks through clicking on links or opening files or attachments, uh, which look unusual rather than contacting their IT department in-house. Uh, These attacks have become extremely common amongst employees. To put this into perspective, a client of ours was recently called on several occasions from an international number requesting details of their personal information and pretending to be a government official or impersonating the Dubai police. They knew the first four digits of the employee's credit card also, but came across extremely rude, aggressive and abrasive when further information was not disseminated to them. Employees need to be prepared to deal with such attacks and be on high alert. For me, the key takeaway is, if in doubt, don't panic. And secondly, do report the incident. Employers should also assist their staff to safeguard against such eventualities through training and development programs. Zara, turning to you, what legal obligations do companies have to prevent, notify and manage ransomware and phishing attacks? That's an important question, Shiraz. And as a starting point, companies need to know which regulatory regimes apply to them. Where a security breach occurs, companies usually have a duty to report the breach to the relevant regulator as soon as practicable and potentially to other regulators outside the jurisdiction, depending on the nature and scope of the incident. The DIFC, for example, has published detailed guidance on this reporting obligation. The ADGM also discusses notifications as part of its data protection guidance. All personal data breaches must be recorded by an organization and in some cases notified to a regulator or client. For example, a company that has an online shopping platform could suffer a phishing cyber attack. When the company investigates the attack, it would also consider the likely risk to individuals. The incident could result in financial loss or identity theft, and therefore the breach must be notified to the regulator. Also, in September of 2021, the U.S. Office of Foreign Assets Control, OFAC, issued an updated advisory on facilitating ransomware payments. Importantly, it placed a number of cyber attackers on the designated SDN sanctions list. So it's crucial if your company is faced with a ransomware risk that you conduct due diligence on the attacker even before considering to pay a ransom. Companies must also consider carefully whether an attacker will follow through with its promise to release data, as Kevin pointed out. 
and certainly paying a ransom can expose a company to repeated ransomware attacks. Companies may consider hiring a ransomware negotiations firm, which will also perform sanction screening. When targeted by ransomware attackers, OFAC also strongly encourages companies to make voluntary disclosures to enforcement agencies or regulators. Well, as you said, Zara, the DIFC and ADGM have for many years had their own data protection legislation. With the introduction to the new data protection law onshore, our view is that companies will be required to ensure that their policies and procedures have been updated to reflect the changes under the new law. Now that these significant changes are in place, employment agreements will also need to be updated to reflect the appropriate consents having been obtained for, for the processing, review and transfer of personal data when a cyber attack occurs, and to ensure that these requirements are in line with the new data protection legislation. Companies need to have secure systems with appropriate security in place. This is to ensure that personal data concerning employees, clients, or other third parties are adequately safeguarded to ensure integrity and confidentiality being maintained throughout. In case a breach occurs, companies should have a clear plan of action and ownership, respond quickly, and protect employee and client data. The company will need to decide when it is appropriate to notify employees and clients of a breach in accordance with the applicable data protection laws. Laurie, from the data protection regulator's perspective, what should DIFC companies be doing now to comply with regulations and prepare for future changes? First and foremost, they should really be looking at what data they process, where it sits, who processes it for them. Basically, what companies need to be doing first and foremost, is doing their impact assessments of the data that they do process so that they know where it is, they know who can access it, who does access it, and how they can prevent any sort of accidental or unintentional leakage or loss, and what kind of technical safety measures they have in place, what safeguards they have, not just on their systems, but anywhere across the organization, anything from you know, having passwords required for their iPhones and basic password requirements for laptops that you could possibly imagine would be in place are in place. You'd be surprised that there are certain organizations that don't necessarily require this, especially if they're requiring you to use your personal phone as well. Uh, Some companies are no longer giving work hardened security related sort of phones or devices. So many people are using their own and sometimes they use their own anyway, simply because it's that easy. So there needs to be management of these physical aspects as well. Cards to access the building, what's printed on them, what's not. Maybe undertake a kind of um, security review as well. All of this to say that it goes beyond your technical systems. It is part of that compliance program, those accountability requirements that I mentioned earlier, to make sure that people are educated, they know what your policies are, and having those policies in place, having a process and a procedure to make sure that anytime there is an incident, you can manage it, and that 
clearly set out within that general incident management procedure and policy, there's going to be steps around data protection and data breaches because sometimes it's a very different thing. And finally, I would suggest as well that they're checking in with our guidance, any of the regulators to which they have to answer to with respect to compliance with the data protection law in their jurisdiction, they're going to want to see what we are putting out there for them to keep up to date with technology, to keep up to date with how we would expect a data breach to be managed, to be reported, how to decide on what to do with those issues when they do arise. Look for the tools. I mean, in DIFC, we've supplied a whole section on our website of tools and information and reporting uh, forms that you can use to report breaches to us, to make it clear about how to report breaches to a data subject, and to get you, when you're using them, to understand what's most important to us. And in fact, that's around physical harm, emotional harm, uh, or mental harm, I should say, and also financial harm. You know, that in the end are the kind of key things that if you were to say yes to any of those with respect to any kind of cyber attack that you would probably want to then start considering a plan for reporting that breach. Uh, the next question, I guess, would be then what best practices do you recommend to companies as they should be thinking of now, Kevin or Shiraz? Primarily, you need to think about your own risks and those will change depending on what type of organization you are. I think having a, a risk register to set out how each risk is controlled mitigated, transferred and accepted is really important. How you control those particular risks is down to having a real effective solution. And I always think that comes down to people, process and technology. So people side could be a security awareness program, uh, process or policy could be strong passwords. And then the technology solution could be multi-factor authentication. You need to prepare Having understood and analysed the risks you've made is a great step in preparation. Also, you need to plan for when there is an incident. Having that plan tested and rehearsed, you may want to implement an information security management system. In that, you may want to think about how you detect a threat and how do you analyse that. Having the right tools in place, such as antivirus, having an endpoint detection system, or maybe a security operations center. Then you have to think about how to respond and contain certain threats and remediate them. How would you stop a ransomware attack spreading across your system? Are your IT teams capable of doing that? Are you going to train them? Or are you going to use external consultants when you have an incident? Who's going to analyze how the attackers got in Who's going to do that gap analysis? Who's going to implement remediation for your organization? Shiraz, what are your thoughts on this? Kevin, from an employment perspective, I have four best practice recommendations. Firstly, companies need to have proper cybersecurity policies and procedures in place to deal with ransomware and phishing attacks and to enable employees to navigate these effectively. They also need to ensure employment agreements are updated and reflect the new data protection law. Secondly, placing cybersecurity on the agenda for team meetings to demonstrate its importance and that it should not be forgotten. Thirdly, 
effective audit of employee knowledge. By that, I mean regular check-ins with staff, which is a great way to stay in touch and keep on top of things. And finally, interactive training platforms. For example, short training sessions with assessments to ensure employees fully grasp the key essentials around cybersecurity. Lots of great ideas for companies to be thinking about, Kevin and Shiraz. We've talked about a lot of things that need to be at the front of mind for management and legal, namely navigating various data protection and cybersecurity regulations. Specific guidance and tools are available in the DIFC. Protecting various categories of data and assessing risks of different types of data breaches. Having cyber attack incidents response plans in place, including sanctions due diligence procedures to review a cyber attacker. Knowing who in your organization is responsible for managing cyber risk exposure. Assessing risks. Who would you want in your organization? Who would want your organization's information? and adequacy of your organization's training, policies, procedures, and engaging investigations and employment law experts to audit and review periodically those procedures, and of course, updating them for the new UAE data protection law. Thank you very much to our speakers for their informative discussion, and thank you to our listeners for joining us today.